0: The Tim Graham and friends brought to you by Shampo, Travis, Besaw, and Kirshner, CPAs and business consultants. Back for the tweener episode, tween Christmas and New Year's. The Bills are 12 and 3 after beating the New England Patriots in Foxborough. They have the Miami Dolphins on Sunday in the regular season finale with some things to play for, depending on what you think about seating. We'll talk uh, with Gerald Dixon about resting starters. And we're going to talk to Joel Staniszewski about how to bet on teams when starters may be rested, getting into the philosophy of how you handicap this uh, week 17. I am Tim Graham of the athletic joined again by my two biggest F's, Matthew Fairburn, also the athletic and Jonah Bronstein of Bronstein manufacturing. And, uh, where are we here, heading uh, into uh, the last Tim Graham and friends? Brought to you by CTBK of 2020.
1: How's everybody doing? Ready, ready to turn the page on on 2020. Ready to ready to see what this next year has in store. 2020 was a real kick in the nuts.
0: Well, it was good for the Bills. What about? I sure mean, was. I mean, Bills fans are going to remember 2020 fondly. And, uh, well, who knows? Maybe it helps good. them overlook all the, all the uh, bad things that happen. Um,
2: it was good for UB football, one of the best years they've ever had.
0: Yeah, that's true. UB football, it's a good, yeah, good football year in Buffalo. Um, with the exception of the high schools, I suppose. What happened in high schools? Let's just do a – let's make this comprehensive in terms of football. What was the most notable Western New York high school football happening? Well, nothing. They haven't played a game. I mean, I is there anything – the Like somebody signed to go do this? Well, or, I mean, Jim, do Jimmy positive? Scott is a – Give player. positive.
2: Jimmy Scott is a defensive end linebacker at St. Francis who has signed with Tennessee. He transferred over from St. Joe's. He hasn't actually played for St. Francis yet. But other than that, you know, the season got postponed to the spring. A few players went down to other states to play in the fall, uh, including Connolly Cup winner, the quarterback from St. Francis, Jake Ritz. And it's really been a big nothing. They didn't play seven on seven in the spring. There have not really been football practices. There's been a little bit of informal training with your quarterback guru or your uh, personal trainer, but team-wise, they haven't. They did do a little bit of seven-on-seven, seven, I think, here in the fall, late winter, but well, early winter, I should say. But there, there's been no high school football season. There's been no high school basketball season as of yet, and there's only there was a little bit of high school action with soccer and cross country in the fall. But everything else is still on hold. It's been a big, I wouldn't say big nothing, because there was the end of last winter, but the year 2020 had very little going on in the high school and amateur sports ranks around here.
0: What do we know, uh, Jonah, about Jack Brandon, the former Canisius quarterback who's uh, been playing at Cheshire Academy in Connecticut, the son of former Bills executive Russ Brandon. He was recruited by Ohio State, I remember seeing, about a year or so ago. Um, uh, do you know anything about him and I, how kind good of fell he is? Off
2: the I, I don't really think he was – a bona fide Ohio State recruit at the time, but, you know, these guys go to prep schools and they get better, they get more exposure, they get more contacts, and sometimes that can happen. He wasn't considered a, a big-time player coming out of Canisius. He was a good player for them. But, yeah, I haven't heard much about him since he left.
0: Yeah, it was. I was curious. Yeah, I haven't heard. I, there was a tweet about Ohio State. and um,
2: I heard, think he remember? plays baseball, too. I think I might have heard that, that he was – but I might be confusing him. Does Russ Brandy have multiple sons? It might have been his other son. But I think I heard that he was a baseball guy going for baseball. I could be wrong about that. I'd have to look into that. But
0: Okay. Well, that's a tangent. I didn't uh, – but the, just popped into my head. Uh, before uh, we talk to Gerald Dixon and Joel stanishevsky I wanted to touch base on University of Buffalo Sports. Uh, hitting the big time, they were uh, – each each program, or at least – the two uh, men's programs, two prominent men's programs, uh, football and basketball uh, uh, make an appearance on Scott Van Pelt's uh, Bad Beats on Monday night uh, after the Bills game. And uh, the basketball team, of course, for uh, not being able to cover in overtime against Syracuse after covering almost the entire game. And then uh, Marshall's inability to take advantage of, uh, of UB, leaving them an awful lot of time on the clock at the end of uh, the bowl game there. Anyway, uh, Jonah, we'll, we'll take them one at a time. Basketball program, uh, Syracuse coach, uh, Jim Beheim says he'll never uh, host uh, UB at the carrier to, or whatever they're going to play uh, ever again because of too much trash talking. Uh, what did you take away from, from Jim Beheim's UB experience?
2: Well, he must have bet the Bulls and they didn't cover for him and that bad beat has he's still smarming over it a week later. Uh Jim Bayheim went on his radio show and said Buffalo won't play there again because of trash talking and not accepting the loss and you know not kowtowing to King Bayheim the way he wants to. I, I took that as Jim Beheim uh is always whining about something, and this was what he decided to whine about on that day. I think if UB doesn't play at the Carrier Dome in the next few years, it has more to do with the fact that they almost won the game and that they had won the previous time they played there two years ago. And I think that is a bigger concern for Beheim when they schedule non conference home games, you're not supposed to come in there and beat them. So I think that then there's other schools. There's Niagara has already played there the last two years. They'll probably keep playing there. I think in the future with Greg Paulus, Canisius Reggie Witherspoon has had a good relationship with Jim Beheim over the years. I think those are, more likely scheduling partners. is another good team they could play. So I think that, yes, if you want to play Syracuse, if you're another New York State school, you have to show them the proper respect. And I think maybe UB didn't do that to Jim Beheim's liking, and they probably will have a hard time scheduling Syracuse in the near future. It could come up again. I also think that they probably wouldn't have played that game if it wasn't for the certain scheduling restrictions that came about because of the pandemic. I think UB winning there two years ago probably put them on the no schedule naughty list for Jim Boeheim, but there were limited options with travel and quarantine and, and who could play non-conference games where and when this season. And ironically, UB has had to cancel the, last, the next two non-conference games because they started having positive cases coming out of that Syracuse game. But that game was played this year, and UB was up by 16, I believe, in the second half before they ended up losing by 10. Or I think it was 10 points in overtime. You would know because of the bad beat. I forgot exactly how that played out in the score.
0: I don't recall what the, what the spread was. Uh, I know Syracuse
2: had 107 points. I'm trying to think what UB had in that game. Actually, it's right in front of me on my computer.
0: 96,
2: um, so they lost by 11.
0: What do you think about the rest of the big four? and what's going on there, basketball-wise, well, so far? I, think, I mean, where well, it's early yet?
2: I think it's about the same as it was coming into the year. Bona and UB are pretty good teams that can – I think UB isn't the favorite in the MAC, but they can contend to win the MAC. Bona probably won't win the Atlantic 10, but can be one of the better teams in the Atlantic 10 and maybe be in play for an at-large tournament. Neither one has had – kind of the marquee non-conference wins that you need to get into that discussion. And that might be more important this year. It might be less important. It's a little hard to gauge because everybody has different non-conference resumes and who knows where we're going to be come March in terms of comparing teams and who's played how many games and who's played fewer games. Canisius and Niagara are not in that mix at all to be, you know, mid-major teams that you would watch for the postseason. They could be competitive in the league, but so far neither one of them has been that great. It's been a lot of on and off with cancellations and things like that. They have Neither one of them have played very many games. is a very experienced team. I think at some point they can maybe make some noise in the Metro Atlantic Conference. Canisius, I think, is a little more talented than they were last year with some of the players they've added, a transfer that's gotten eligible, Malik Green, but they had two blowout losses against Monmouth this week, and I don't think they're one of the stronger Canisius teams that we've seen in recent years, although I think by the end of the season, by the time they get to that tournament, MAC tournament at the end of the year, I think either one of those teams has a chance to make some noise. But I wouldn't. I don't think there will be high seeds or teams that you would expect to win the tournament. I think in and in the Big Four, the best team I think with a chance to play in the postseason is the UB women. They've been playing pretty well. They've they've had a few MAC games. They haven't had a lot of non-conference games, but they have. The Asia Fair is one of the best. Guards in the country, maybe especially at the mid-major level, could be the best uh, guard. There's a mid-major player of the year award that she's going to be a candidate for, and they have other good players. Summer Hempel is a all-conference player who's been hurt, hasn't played a lot yet, but when she comes back, she'll help them a lot. They have a transfer that got eligible. They have a new player coming in from Australia. They have a lot of talent, and the MAC in women's basketball is a multi-bid league, at least it has been in recent years, and you don't It's not win the tournament and you're in or you get nothing. If UB is one of the top two or three, there's been years when three teams have gotten in, I think two years ago. They have a chance to play in the NCAA tournament if they keep playing as well as they have been playing.
0: Jonah, I just noticed something about your place. Uh, Do you. The tree growing in the hallway? Yeah. Do you move that to do it so we can't see what's going on in that room? Uh, Yeah,
2: I did that once and I thought, yeah, kind of. I don't know if that's distracting back there, and then no. I don't have worry about what, what goes
0: can. on in that room that you don't want us to see. What is uh, that?
2: Really, I mean, that's my kitchen. There's usually a lot of kind of junk strewn about on the tables and the floor there. It's I don't placement. know. I never really know where to put that tree. I feel like that tree's a nice kind of background piece.
0: It is. It's good placement. Really know where to put it. I like it. I just noticed it. How long is you want, it? You want the whole tour of the room? Sure. Look at that. Oh, look at that. That's unusually that that you wouldn't you wouldn't think that's a bachelor pad.
2: Oh yeah? What does that
0: mean? Uh, usually it's uh you know, you got no things on milk on crates walls. and uh yeah. You know, um Pink Floyd the wall poster hanging up, maybe some uh you know bags of chips laying around, empty two liters. Yeah, well sometimes
2: we have a little bit of that. I guess I'm a little, I wouldn't say self-conscious, but I'm conscious of not having garbage in the background for these Zoom calls and stuff, so I'll clean up sometimes if I see some stuff. And also, you know, I don't have it, so you can see all my junk over there. I kind of, this is an intentional position. I wanted everybody to see all these books that I've read, how erudite I am, but you can't really see the titles back there.
1: That's the problem. You put yourself in front of a bookshelf and you block all the books. I got to, like, duck to show, because I'm smart. I read books.
0: No books in this house. What about books you've written? Shouldn't you put those behind you?
1: Mm, I need to work on that.
0: Yeah. What about that? All right. UB football. Uh, bounce back from an upset loss to Ball State in the MAC championship game to win uh, another bowl game, two in a row, for Lance Leipold. I don't know. Do you want to put a bow on UB football here before we uh, hear from Gerald Dixon?
2: Well, yeah, I, they, they beat Marshall in the Camellia Bowl, and that was a better bowl victory than beating Charlotte last year in the Bahamas, even though that maybe that was more significant being their first bowl victory, but this was a better team, a tougher matchup, probably the best team they've beaten in Lance Leipold's uh, you know, career here in six years. They beat Florida Atlantic with Lane Kiffin and Devin Singletary at home a couple of years ago, but that was sort of a sneaky comeback win at home. I think this was best win. I don't know if it was a signature win, but it was maybe their best win that they've had in this recent run. And yeah, they finished six and one. It's disappointing that they didn't win the conference championship. It's disappointing that they didn't finish the season ranked in the top 25. And some of the things that would have happened and the attention and the mystique of having a perfect season that would have happened if they had won that (coughs) one game against Ball State. But I think if you said at the beginning of the year that they're going to be six and one And win a bowl game and be on the cusp close to being a top 25 team you would say great that's a wonderful season especially at the point in august and september when they thought there would be no season and that they were ranked for two weeks and had that kind of attention and won six of their seven games this has to be considered one of the best seasons in ub history maybe it can't be put ahead of another season when they won a championship or another season when they played more games and it was a full season Jerry Patterson wasn't a finalist for the Heisman. he wasn't a finalist for the Dope Walker Award. he was on various all America teams, first or second team. So there was a lot of things to celebrate with this UB season, but it, it kind of there was a bit of a cap on the excitement when they didn't win the Mac championship, and it prevented the final record and the final. Uh, resume from being quite as impressive as it could have been. In the
0: top 25 ranking, because if they win that MAC championship game and the bowl game, then they're probably 21, 22, somewhere in there.
2: Yeah. And then you're, if you're ranked at the end of the season, you're kind of ranked all offseason. You're a team that maybe people have their eyes on to rank in the preseason top 25. Next year, you're considered a top 25 program now for six months when there are no games. And I think that would have been very big for their just from a marketing standpoint and seeing where this program is. Now you still get some of that from saying we were in the top 25 for two weeks, but it's not quite the same thing. It's not like the basketball team that finished the season ranked in the top 15 or top 20 a couple of years ago. It's just, it's kind of a little bit of a level before below that.
0: All right. Well, let's get to some bills talk. I know there are a lot of people out there that want to uh, get caught up on the state of the bills where they are heading into the playoffs, uh, whether they should rest their starters, uh, what the benefits are to that versus trying to play through the finish line and maintain whatever psychological and physical momentum uh, heading into the playoffs. And uh, we're going to talk to Gerald Dixon about that first, but I want to let everybody know that Shampo, Travis, Besaw, and Kirshner, CTBK specializes in maintaining a human connection and takes a bullish approach to their clients' goals and visions with a no surprises billing policy. For assurance, accounting, taxes, litigation support, advice on acquisitions and mergers, or practically any other business operations, you need to call CTBK for a consultation at 716-630-2400. That's 716-630-2400. CTBK, over a quarter century of proven accounting and business excellence for Western New York and beyond. Um, guys, let's talk to Gerald Dixon. We gave Gerald Dixon the week off for Christmas, but we can't keep him away forever. He needs to be on. Tim Graham and friends brought to you by CTBK CPAs and business consultants. Gerald Dixon is back with us and uh, so much to talk about, even though things are settled with the bills um, in so many ways, we know that they've won the AFC East. We know that they can do no better than a number two seed and no worse than a number three seed. Uh, But with one game to go, and the Dolphins needing to win to get in, uh, it's uh, they're going to get the Dolphins' best shot Sunday in Orchard Park in the regular season finale. Uh, Gerald, I, I guess I'll just leave it open-ended like that. The state of the Bills right now, heading into Week 17, what are your general thoughts about where things are after this curb stomping they administered in Foxborough? And... Um, The mood that you sense with these guys, they look like they're having a lot of fun. They look pretty loose, but does that raise any concerns about being too loose heading into the play? I don't know. I'm just throwing a lot of different things out there because I think that's the luxury of covering a team that's this good is you can get into these types of things because they have taken care of their business so far.
3: Right. And um, I'm just happy to be back. I got that week off. I thought I got fired on a Christmas holiday, but... I was reassured that didn't happen. So I'm back on. <laughs> but no, you, you look shaved? at the. Did you shave? No, I just shadowed it down. So Stacia told me last night she she wanted to see the shadow. So I just brought the, the we'll call this a two o'clock shadow. All right. We'll call it yeah. I couldn't pull it off as, as well as Matt with his full beard. And I, and I didn't want to get into the whole conditioning and that issue with Jonah. So I went ahead and just shadowed it down. And just called it. A day. You I look see like how I,
0: bad it is to be totally clean shaven when you look at me, and so you wanted to avoid that.
3: No, you know, okay. So I wanted to be right in the middle, so you didn't have to say anything about it. So I wasn't clean shaved. I didn't have the full grown man facial hair, and I wasn't offending Jonah by shampooing my beard oh, every cool. other day. <laughs> so I'm fitting in all categories right now. <laughs> But getting back to the topic of of the bills, they're they're clicking on all cylinders, right? They're playing well on special teams. Defense is coming along. You see them picking it, picking that part of it up. No, no, keep going. Okay, <laughs> I thought he gave me the hook. <laughs> <laughs> now they're clicking on all cylinders on 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 special teams, like I said. Um, Andre Roberts is creating first downs, uh, creating very good field positions for the offense. Defense, you see them putting together certain things that they wanted to to do in terms of shoring up their run defense. They're getting to the passer a little bit easier on the back end. They're tightening up their coverage. They're getting their blitz and pressure looks going right now. So that's a good, good deal on offense. Josh is playing with confidence. He and Steph Diggs look like they're, they were born together. Like they were a match made together. The run game is coming along. You see the motor. Now he's the motor. Because he's making some guys miss like he did when he was coming out of FAU. And Zach Moss is doing his business running the ball inside and catching the ball out of the backfield. So all in all, it looks good. I'm not really worried about how loose they are because they're a young team and they're still trying to figure themselves out. And at times, you can be too tough on a young team and stress this no-fun zone. But in today's age, that's what these young people do. So you have to allow them to be focused the way they get focused and as long as they know what the business at hand is
0: I had to excuse myself there for a second uh because we were talking about or at least we I don't know that the phrase was actually used but it was clearly references to Jonah's philosophy his no poo lifestyle and uh, this was a uh, received uh, from my sister in South Carolina she sent a made a big box that had a bunch of like family games and snacks and things. And it was a great Christmas gift. And it's not, doesn't quite, it's not exactly the right phrasing, but we went from being uh, talking no poo to stack the poo. It is, is a, like Jenga. It's a Jenga game. Yes.
3: So do you pull the poo out?
0: You do, you do. And Even of course better. it's better if you don't have to force it. Um, and, uh, yeah, so you stack the poo, and uh, everybody has a good time. So, definitely, the Grams are a poo household.
1: <laughs> Love it. We need to play a, a TGAF game of stack the poo.
0: When, I will, uh, neg- when, when Elmo's opens, and we've told Gerald we got to get him some Elmo's wings, we'll get one of those tables, and uh, we'll sit and we'll play
3: stack the poo at Elmo's. So we do a family game night at the Dixon's house every Friday. And my son, Trey, and my daughter, Sakaya are real good at Jenga. So we might have to get the stacked poo going for them.
0: That could be like a way for you to kind of handicap it. Because if they start getting a little creeped out or they start laughing too much at the poo, that could be where you, as the veteran competitor that you are, you, you have those calm nerves, you know, like you get within yourself and you're able to then pull the poo out without you know shaking or laughing too hard. Well, they'll they'll be this evens the score really.
1: Yeah, because we're all, we're all very mature. We're, we don't think it's funny at all. But no, it's, it's steely, very businesslike. like,
0: steely
2: gaze.
1: Joan well, is not even cracking a smile. I can
2: recommend a fiber supplement that would make this game a lot easier to play.
3: <laughs> Talk to me, Joan. What's a fiber
0: brand?
2: Uh, you know, I wish I knew the name of it, but
3: Musilix.
0: I yeah, got something like that. All right, back to the bills. Matt, you have uh you always seem to have these uh off the top of your head and where I struggle with them, the different matchups that we're looking at and we knew uh, heading into the Steelers' final game against the Browns, which the Browns need to win, the Steelers don't. They're obviously in But Mike Tomlin today has said that Ben Roethlisberger will not play in that game, that Mason Rudolph will be the quarterback, which seemingly opens a door for the Browns and would make it tougher for Baltimore to get in, whatever. What, uh, what are we looking at for first round opponents for the bills?
1: At Baltimore actually had a good weekend. Uh, I think if you were heading into the weekend, you were probably rooting for the dolphins as a way to kind of box out the Ravens. uh, And, it depends on how, you know, fearful you are of the Ravens, but I think almost every Bills fan would say they'd rather see the Dolphins than, than the Ravens in round one. If it ended right now, the Bills would play the Browns in the first round of the playoffs, a matchup that Gerald's talked about as being a little bit tricky for the Bills. Right now the Colts are the odd man out, but they're actually – there's scenarios where the Bills end up playing the Colts. Uh, so – Really, the weird thing about this is it could be basically any of these teams, Uh, the way the wild card shakes out. It's kind of a mess. Um, Right now, there's five teams tied at 10 and 5. The AFC South is still up in the air. So, uh, you know, the, the Colts and Titans will be jockeying for position a little bit. You would think that the Browns win, right? Because like you said, Mason Rudolph's playing quarterback. They should get some of their players back. They had a weird week with COVID. Baltimore should beat the Bengals. So it's going to come down to the AFC South and whether the Bills win or lose. Uh, you know, that ties into that conversation of do you rest your players or do you not? Do you, I, I'm, I tend to think like one of the you know, things pushing you towards resting your players is let those dolphins in the playoffs, like, give yourself a chance to see them at some point, because I think they match up pretty well. So it's weird. I thought heading into week 17, there would be some clarity, like if this happens, the bills will play this team. But with all these teams tied at 10 and five, it's kind of a mess.
0: Well, I have a bunch of thoughts on the different opponents, um, but I want to say this about Baltimore. That is the cliche answer to the team you want to avoid in the first round, and I get it because I guess when you want to pick one of those teams for the sake of conversation, you want to pick one that is down the list a little bit. You don't want to go with an obvious pick, but there's a reason the Ravens are on the outside looking in in this situation I don't buy into, yeah, Lamar Jackson is clearly, you know, a, a problem. I and mean, he's a big X factor. But, I, I mean, I'd like to bring, open it up, for, you know, to the floor for conversation. But I don't know. I just, yeah, Baltimore, I'm, I'm not saying that they're a joke. But, I don't know. They don't scare me any more than some other teams. I don't know if you, they scare me more than the Browns right now.
1: You don't scare easily, though. That's true. He's such a brave
2: guy. <laughs> I would say, I don't know if they're so scary, but I do think they're a little better than, or they have the potential to be harder to beat than some of these other teams. If you were in a position to pick your first round opponent, I don't think any team would say, yeah, give me the Ravens. They're ripe to be beaten. But I also think from the Bills standpoint, I don't, I don't know if the team is thinking this way, but I do think a lot of fans are thinking this way. It really is kind of a sucker move to say we're going to, tank this game, or we're, we want to avoid this team in the first round, we'd rather have the easier matchup in the second round, third round, whatnot, because if you're as good as the Bills are, one, you should be able to beat all these teams, except you know maybe Kansas City in that last championship game. Two, you don't want to have that mindset of, we can beat this team, but we can't beat that team, because that kind of takes your edge and your confidence away, which is really, I think, the biggest thing we've seen from the Bills the last couple of weeks. They're not just playing well, but they seem to have this just growing and swelling belief that they are a Super Bowl contender and they can beat anybody and they can uh, step on teams necks and really put them away early in the game and finish it off. And I think that's another reason why I wouldn't rest too many players this week because I think the Bills need to keep that edge of We're rolling and we're killing teams. And you can lose that if you don't play, if you don't bring that mentality into week 17. And then if you lose to the Dolphins, even if it's a game you weren't trying to win, like you've tried to win the other games, I think the Bills could lose a little bit of that confidence and that good juju that's going around with this franchise. If they are not careful this week.
0: I want to make two quick points just for reference, because I think it's something that we all might reference. So on the idea of resting your starters and it opening a door and making things easy in this case for the Cleveland Browns against the Pittsburgh Steelers, Bills fans who were around for 2004, know that that could be a problem. 2004, the Bills had to win and get into the playoffs. They had to beat the Steelers, who rested everybody, pretty much. Uh, You can't rest your entire roster, but they rested all their guys. The Bills could not pull it off. They lost that game. Willie Parker became a household name. Nobody had ever heard of this guy before. The Bills couldn't do it. Then the other reference I want to make, More to what Jonah was just saying, I covered these guys uh, when I was with ESPN um, when I handled the AFC East beat. The Jets backed into the playoffs in 2009, and the way they were able to do it, they had to have a lot of different things happen around the league, but they went into Week 17 against the Cincinnati Bengals. The game was at home. The Bengals rested all their guys because it was assured that the Bengals were going to – However, it was locked in. I, I don't want to misspeak. But anyways, the the way it was going to roll out was the Bengals were probably going to have to play the Jets two weeks in a row. So they rest all their guys, and the Bengals lose 37 to nothing. The Jets routed them to get into the playoffs. And now in a short week, because it was a Saturday playoff game in six days, the Bengals had to figure out a way to make up 37 points. Now, I don't care how, you know, if you're pulling guys off other teams, it's hard to make up a 37-point psychological difference. And the Jets won that game 24-14 to in Cincinnati. So that's a, a prime example of the point Jonah was just making.
3: I agree with that. Just giving you a couple examples of team mindset. When you're a competitor, you don't go into situations thinking about what's the easiest way to win. You just want to win. And the way that that building is wired it's not wired that way to think about setting up matchups and backdooring your way into a championship. You just like to go out there and just win games. And if you can finish in the second place, you do that. So you go out and you take care of business and you go undefeated in your division, which is awesome, right? That's something else that you want to do. Two, going back to just references of just history, guys, remember when the Patriots went 16-0 and in that last game against the New York football Giants? And the Giants put up a very good game, like played them all the way to the end, gave them confidence for what the Super Bowl. So regardless of who you're going to play in the next round or whatever, you go out there, you just beat people and you're on a winning streak right now. Just continue to just pummel people because I doubt if Kansas City is thinking about, hey, who can we match up against or what's the best matchup? I think that's just a, a bad way to just look at playing football overall in general. Now, resting guys, once you get certain records in the games out of hand in the first half, if you're that good of a team, you sit guys down. But, it's, but if you have a young team like the Bills have right now, you go ahead and play them and figure out the rest. And and I,
1: think, I think we know – well, go ahead, Matt. I think a big part of this too, in terms of the what you guys are talking about, in terms of trying to finesse a matchup and get the right team, they don't even have much control over that at this point. There's so much that needs to be sorted out that that can't even that's not even going to factor into the the calculus that Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean have to do to determine what they they decide here. But there is a real you know threat or risk that. If you're out there, you know, Josh Allen so close to this record of of the single season franchise passing yards or, you know, going undefeated in the division, all these goals that mean something, but not as much as the ultimate goal. If you're chasing that and Josh Allen gets hurt, you're second guessed forever. Uh, If Josh Allen can't play in the first round of the playoffs, everything that happened this season essentially goes to waste. So I think for certain players, and I think to Gerald's point, this is a team that could just play the first half of this game and have a big enough lead where they don't even have to where, – where they get the best of both worlds. They win the game and they can rest some guys. They got to rest Josh Allen for the whole fourth quarter against the Patriots. So there's some of that that's mixed in here, but the, the risk of injury is real. We saw Stephon Diggs leave that Broncos game early with a foot injury that turned out to be – Nothing uh, to worry about, but we saw Josh Allen get twisted up against the Chargers and a different angle on Monday night. Cole Beasley leaves the game on Monday night. Not they are as one of the things they have going for them right now and why they're probably going to be a trendy Super Bowl pick. They might be the healthiest team in football. They have hardly any of their significant players out for a, a legitimate portion of time. Cody Ford, is really the only one that you can point to. And there there's a real delicate balancing act of risking that, especially in a season that's been somewhat mentally taxing, but I see I see the point of wanting to to keep the foot on the gas and wanting to just not necessarily I don't know that momentum and all these things carry over week to week. Like look at last year, right? The Bills rested at their starters for a while against the Jets. They came out and were kicking the Texans' teeth in for the first half. So clearly they were able to pick up and, and, you know, get that, you know, momentum back. But there is something to be said about taking a deep breath and relaxing. You know, how beneficial is that to reset and reload before the playoffs? Or how much do you just want to stay locked in and grind it out for another month? I, I tend to think they'll rest some guys because they did it last year and it really wasn't detrimental, I don't think. To their playoff game, they didn't lose that game because they weren't sharp. They lost that game because they fell apart in the second half. They were a young team uh, with a you know young coach, a young quarterback without much playoff experience. It didn't have a whole lot to do with the uh, taking the foot off the gas against the Jets in Week 17.
3: Yeah, one of the advantages of that the Bills have right going on right now is continuity, and you'd like not to break that up. And football players are just creatures of habits, right? You go into a week, you prepare the right way, you play the right way, you get warmed up. I'm, everything that you do is a set schedule. I always thought that once I broke my schedule if any, of any sort, I was thrown off. Like if it's a bye week, you already have your bye week planned out. Rest in a young quarterback. Or young player, I wouldn't do that. I'd let him go out, get warmed up, play a, at least two or three series, and then bring the, the the backup in. Now, when you're looking at the Cole Beasley's and the Steph Diggs, now you gotta you gotta massage that out a little bit because you have more depth in that in that department. But when you have a young guy that still needs to throw the football and still need to make proper decisions. In certain situations, you still want to see it play out. You go ahead and let him go through that and pull him out. And he has to be a professional, too, and understand the importance of his health to the team. And don't put yourself in harm's way.
2: It's also not a meaningless game quite yet. The the Bills still have that number two seed and a home game in the second round to play for, depending on what Pittsburgh does. Somebody texted me last night and said he thought staying healthy and resting guys was more important than having that home field in the second round. And I wouldn't agree with that. I think as much as Pittsburgh is struggling, you still would rather play them at home than go to Three River Stadium. And any team would rather have a home game in a different type of season that would be very meaningful for the fans and ticket revenue and things like that. I think as long as that's still on the table, the Bills still have something to play for and still have some motivation to win that game. Also, there's Miami, and there's the little bit of that rivalry coming back, winning that, sweeping the division for the first time, and I think it's been 30 years, close to 30 years. I don't know how much that really matters to the individuals with the Bills, but for the franchise, I think those are things that are significant to be able to check those boxes.
3: Oh, it means a lot. You want to control and dominate your division. It means a ton. That's the first thing you have to do. You have to win your division. You win your division and take the next step. But I don't don't think Ben Roethlisberger's resting. I think fellas, he's hurt. I think he's really hurt.
0: Well, that's an excellent point. Uh, he has been playing questionably for a month now, and he found a way to wake up in the second half uh, over the weekend. But, yeah, I, I think it's – yeah, why put Ben Roethlisberger out there if you don't have to? What's more also important a team to the that Pittsburgh? didn't have
1: a bye at all. Correct. Correct. So yeah. they need to manufacture right. some sort of rest because they didn't have it in any capacity.
2: They they don't really talk about
0: that. You haven't heard the Steelers mention that they haven't had that by
1: the head coach won't allow. (laughs) They're not
3: wired that way.
0: The Steelers have to be thinking too. And you, you break great point, Gerald that I I think it was lost on me uh, until you just said it. Um, You know, the Steelers, if, if you're the Roonies, if you're Mike Tomlin, if you're anybody in that locker room, you'd say, guys, what's more important guaranteeing that we have a, home playoff game in the second round or healthy Ben Roethlisberger in the first round, you're taking the healthy Ben Roethlisberger 10 times out of 10 because otherwise you're not guaranteed to even make it to the second round anyway. So I'd rather play on the road with Ben Roethlisberger in the second round than with Ben Roethlisberger at 80% at home uh, in the second round. Um, What do we think about the Dolphins? Yeah, we know that Tua Tagovailoa uh, has been named the starting quarterback for this last game, but you have the offensive coordinator, Chan Gailey, and the quarterback, Ryan Fitzpatrick, of course, the Buffalo Ties. And it was just a few years ago that they came to Orchard Park in Week 17, needing to win to get into the playoffs for the first time in Ryan Fitzpatrick's career. Fitz choked through an interception, the game the Jets should have won, um, and here he is with that. Maybe there are Dolphins fans out there that might not be fully aware of this history. Um, maybe you want Tua starting the game and playing because of that. I mean, right. Yeah. Ryan Fitzpatrick's this swashbuckler and he plays like he, you know, DGAF. Um, and that's what makes him so much fun. But in orchard park, I think things are a little different for him and he's got ghosts. He's got ghosts in Orchard Park, so maybe it's better that Fitzpatrick doesn't see the field or at least not in a clutch situation.
3: Hey, Tim, public service announcement. Just give me a second. Ryan Fitzpatrick is known in every stadium for doing what he does in Orchard Park of playing a good half then choking in the second half and having (laughs) five good throws and three bad throws and just chucking the ball up. What he did against the the Las Vegas Raiders. Well, just threw the ball up. He got he, he got bailed out by a cornerback panicking. Mac Hollins finally holding on to the ball because he dropped three, two touchdowns in the in the in the easy slant across the middle. I know he's a Maryland boy, but man, he's a good special teams player. Yeah, this is unusual for you. Oh no, listen, truth is the truth. And he went to a, a school that we used to kick their tails in all the time. But anyhow, that that's beyond the point. I, I there's more than Ryan Fitzpatrick coming in and saving the day or Fitz magic coming in and throwing his little dust in the air and pulling out a game. There's more going on in Miami to me than that. It sounds like
0: Studio 54 or
3: something no, like that. Just, no, no yeah. just hand oh, this is handling of,
0: like that too a little bit.
3: Yeah, just handling of the quarterback down here is it's 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 odd. And that's why in a lot of circles you hear a lot of decision makers say they, they're, they're afraid of hiring defensive coordinators as head coaches just because of this, the handling of that quarterback position is so unique. And if you make a misstep and you lose that quarterback's confidence, now I don't believe Tua has that issue, but they're, they're fragile. The real fragile people, quarterbacks are very fragile. And you start playing around with them and pulling them when they have bad situations just to bail them out. What teaches that guy how to battle through tough situations? Like, What's his learning curve? How do you learn how to get yourself out of the poo hole when you've <laughs> dug yourself in?
0: How do you stack the poo to get yourself out of the right. hole? Rather than keep shoveling, you need to start stacking the poo. Right. Climb out. But how about this, Gerald, just because you're on this point. What about when the season's on the line? And then you have that delicate equation of helping your quarterback develop through tough
3: times, but you need to make the playoffs. All right. So you got to look at it and say, what are you building for? Because like I said, I was in, in in the building a few years ago when the developer Josh Allen was coming around. There's no way that Sean McDermott pulls out Josh in a tough situation. You'd figure this thing out. And he's big on learning. Not saying it's a mistake is learning from what habit that you just created. Just learn from it. And as a young guy, I'm in that situation. I'd rather find out what I did wrong by losing a game. than somebody else coming in and winning the game. And then I got to go to film and learn. Like, you're not, you're not learning a lot on the sideline other than learning how to hold a clipboard. You're not learning how to properly read a defense and find out what an open receiver is unless you're in the game and throwing to that receiver and saying, okay, good, there's a pick. But what if
0: that process costs you and your teammates a chance to get into the postseason?
3: For this year, I'm fine. But I'm trying to win a championship in the future. So what are you setting yourself up for? For now? Yeah, for now, you're not winning the Super Bowl, in my opinion. So you can get in and get one out, Or all these scenarios that Matt just put together, you're not even in the playoffs. So you're ruining potentially. I'm not saying like all these young quarterbacks still got to come back next year and prove it again. You might potentially ruin the psyche of a franchise quarterback just to win a game on the road with no fans in the stadium and your team's not even ready yet to make a true run. So, I'm so not. The, so, the betting site betonline.ag,
0: they send us, and they're great with it. They send us the latest odds on everything from who's going to win MVP to uh, who's going to win the conference championship, the Super Bowl, of course. Uh, and the latest odds that were out today Brian Flores and Sean McDermott are even, not even money. I think they're three to two, but they are co favorites for coach of the year. You would not be picking Brian Flores as Coach of the Year based oh, on the way I he's been handling Tua and Ryan Fitzpatrick.
3: I won't say p- like picking him for Coach of the Year has anything to do with that. It's just what's your mindset moving forward? To me, just make a decision and go with it. If I'm not your guy, I'm not your guy. What, what I'm saying
0: is me. you're not a fan of, of Brian Flores' handling of this situation at all.
3: I don't know if it's, I don't know who's handling it, but to me, it just looks dicey when if i'm not the quarterback moving forward i'm 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 fine with that like what the what the the washington football team did with that young man it might have been one or two weeks too late but you make that decision to move on if he's not your guy he's not your guy no waste my time in the locker room don't waste the organizational time with it it just dealing with it just move on
1: what do you think of Brian Flores comes Figured this thing, think about all this. We talk about Ryan Fitzpatrick, right? He's due due for a meltdown. He'll he'll have his little moments, right? What if Brian Flores has finally figured it out? He's like, we got this guy who takes care of the football and Tua. Uh, He's a good, he keeps us in the game. And then just time, Fitzpatrick's like a relief pitcher. He's like that wild closer. You bring him in for the, maybe he's finally been the one to figure it out, to say, you know what, this is, this guy's an odd quarterback. We can get one good series out of him a game. We just got to time it right. So you're saying that fo- football coaches should
3: go to the baseball model of getting John Wetteland. Exactly. In. exactly. It's like uh,
1: staggering your pitchers, uh, pitch count limits. And they well, say, let's not right. say
0: John Wetteland. I don't know if you followed his career after baseball, but I don't know if anybody wants to be compared to John Wetteland. <laughs> uh, it's like a Tim Tebow, Chris Week
1: uh, situation.
0: Yeah, John Rocker is actually a safer, safer, uh, Character uh, reference
3: than John Weddell. Yeah, I, I, I just don't. I'm not, I'm not a big fan of, of of that. If I if I'm the guy, I'm the guy. If I'm not, I'm not. I'm and I'm fine with that. Doesn't All it doesn't the seem, innovations I don't, I don't in
1: sports look like, crazy until they become the norm. So maybe uh, Brian Flores is on to something. Have at it,
3: <laughs> and you can have Fitzmagic with that seems too. To me. <laughs> a situation where
2: ownership or management kind of wants one quarterback and the coaching staff in the locker room maybe is more comfortable with another quarterback, and they've had that push and pull all season long over who should really be the guy and what's more important, the future or the moment. Because it just seems there hasn't been a whole lot of predictability and rhyme or reason to when what quarterback plays and when they go to what moves and even the justifications after the game for why Brian Flores has made a quarterback change. It seems like there's things that are not being said publicly that maybe are playing into the decisions
3: hey, great point, but if that's a quarterback coach and an offensive coordinator type of guy, that's not happening because you you're not you're not going back and forth with a young player like that.
0: Gerald, you mentioned dwayne haskins. what was your opinion of him coming out of Ohio State and then your, your thoughts on how Washington handled it.
3: Well, I'm glad you said that. So a few years ago when, um, when I was still at One Bill's Drive, I had to go up to um, Columbus and do a background check on Dwayne. So I went in there and got all the information. So when I was digging and doing all my research, my big brother Omar Evans actually trained him coming out of high school, when he was in high school. And Omar's big brother, we call him Black Bashan Springs, which is like my third big brother, actually helped Dwayne get down to Maryland from New Jersey. So I got the entire makeup of the kid. And when you started digging, you, you saw that he's not, he's not mentally strong. And going into Ohio State, that was always the message. Like, he's not ready yet to truly be the leader of a team and his teammates weren't fans of his in high school in college they just put up with him just because he was really good so when a guy like that with a bunch of different like quirks and he's not truly confident and his leadership skills are questioned when he's when you hand him the franchise keys to that car or that house whatever way you want to look at it Yeah, I don't know how well he's going to sit back and make true decisions for the team and think of everyone else other than himself. So if you really did your homework on this young man, you knew that he did not have franchise quarterback makeup mentally to handle tough situations when there are tough times.
0: How does Ohio State go from Joe Burrow – to Dwayne Haskins, meaning they had to make their choice at some point. They went with Haskins. Joe Burrow transfers out, uh, ends up at LSU, and now looks to be the, a prototype NFL quarterback. Dwayne Haskins is out of the league.
3: Well, what did Joe Burrow end up doing? He left, right? Yeah. Um, and when you look at whoever was in charge of the Ohio State Buckeyes, you go back to Florida and you look at the history of that when that person left so when one guy leaves and another guy comes in there's some dirt behind it there's some little bit of murky water so whoever that guy was that was running both of those universities there's some things that follow when he leaves
0: hmm.
2: there's also a recruiting think about politics it. angle there i i, I don't know everybody involved, all the programs, but there was something with Haskins coming from a situation where if Ohio State didn't treat him right, it might not have played out well for them in future recruiting classes.
3: Well, I, I don't know. I can, you want me to give you the whole how he got down to Maryland? And, and when you think about it, you just see how, how, what this kid is. All right, So he's from New Jersey. So Sean Springs' kid and, and, and Dwayne are friends. Sean
0: Springs, the former Ohio State defensive Correct. back, long career in the NFL.
3: Silver Spring, Maryland, Springbrook High School legend. So, Sean gets Dwayne down to Maryland because he could not cut it at quarterback at his high school in New Jersey. Flat out. Nobody's going to say that, and I'm going to tell you. So, he goes down to Maryland. He does a whole tour of private schools. So, he got DeMatha, Good Counsel. All the better ones he chooses bullets that's the worst one at that time why his sister's a thespian they have a real good program and they can get both of their both of the kids in so they're there but why would a kid that's so competitive go to the worst school you'd rather say you know what i'm gonna go play at good council and really make it happen <clears throat> or i'm gonna stay in new jersey and whoever this kid is that's Supposed to be better than I am I'm just gonna beat him Out so he leaves He's committed to Maryland Things didn't happen there he leaves and Goes to the Buckeye country If you're that talented Why aren't you starting over Was it JT Barrett at that time
0: uh, I'm yeah. not sure I don't, I don't It was remember JT it, right
3: So think. Just if you think about it JT starts over this kid Not because he's more talented Because of his leadership Skills you flip the story and you go back to when Cam and Tim Tebow was at Florida. Tebow starts over cam because of what leadership skills so it's 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 almost like the same makeup of two individuals or just fragile people that's ran by their fathers, Cecil with Cam and Dwayne with his father, right so all of this is, is really just a mishandling of a young person that did not have an opportunity to grow up and mature in being a leader. And that's why you really got to look at these quarterbacks when they're coming out and study them and their mental makeup and see who they are as, as people. Who are their leader when you're, what leaders when you leave them alone and take them away from mom and dad? If you look down in Miami, you still have that same problem with Tua because he was handled the same way with parents.
0: Yeah, that's interesting insight. I'm glad I asked you about that. Um, I was never a fan of Dwayne Haskins, really. I just didn't get it. Uh, I thought it was an odd maneuver when Washington took Joe Theismann's number seven out of retirement. I mean, I don't know. I mean, you do that for special players. I'm not talking about Joe Theismann's seven, but when you take a number out of retirement, right? yeah, I know OJ's 32 uh, and Sonoris Perry. I mean, the Bills wanted to move on from that. That's
3: different. Yeah, yeah, Joe yeah. Theismann that's, that's different is deal.
0: considered one of the great franchise players uh, in Washington, and for a guy who wasn't even necessarily expected to start as a rookie and there were question marks about him, I mean, I don't know. It just it just always seemed weird to me. But then again, that's the Washington franchise. That's the Washington football team.
3: Yeah, and and when you think about it, I mean, that young man had you got doug williams in the building legendary black quarterback that made dc what dc is and, and he's dc's own right no matter where you come whenever you say quarterback i know you just said joe doug is a guy that you think about super bowl mvp and i'm pretty sure doug spent some time with this kid put his arm around him and try to help him but once you're so far gone and you're led by somebody else that wants your career for you instead of you wanting your career for yourself and that's I'm not saying that's parents-driven, but sometimes when you don't want for yourself and you don't want to have a true career, you just want to be a face, a number. Rarely do you see a quarterback around the offensive line, and the offensive line tell him to shut the heck up and get away. Like he sticks his hands out in front of guys, and they just slap it down. After a game last year, I think he was taking selfies on the sideline. Like, like you don't do that. And I remember the, the comment that Ryan they made in that in that in that building and he just wasn't ready. He wasn't ready to come in and lead a team. And I in just playing one year of college football and not showing true leadership, you gotta really look at that and see is, is that person ready to come in and lead your organization.
1: Amazing mm-hmm. that a guy like that still ends up going in the first round. Like you said, uh, a lot of teams don't do their homework, uh, and they end up repeating the same
3: mistakes. At that position, you really have to dig and find out what the kid's mental makeup is.
0: Well, how about this, Gerald? How much of it do you think is not doing homework versus ignoring the information that you have gotten? Because I bet you that happens a lot, too, in scouting, where – you fall in love with a guy or you see something about him and it clouds you from the other things that you learn. Um, How many people knew or had the, the Intel on Dwayne Haskins, maybe not to the, you know, down to the, you know, the the granular aspect like you did, but knew that maybe he wasn't a leader and had kind of had tried to slither his way through the system and take the easy way out but says, we'll fix that, or, or, or they just discount it and say, but look at what, look at what he does with X, Y, Z.
3: Well, I always go through the whole mantra of thinking, like, when people show you who they are on a consistent basis, that's who they are. And a lot of people are afraid of, of facing the facts, and they hate guilt instead of the truth. Like someone hates feeling bad about a situation, except just going with your gut and says, you know what? That's just not right. And when you're looking at it and say, you know what? I need a franchise quarterback. I need a franchise quarterback. Everyone believes that if you bring a person into a building that you're going to change them. I disagree with that wholeheartedly. If you bring a person that's willing to change and has a proper mindset into, a, into your building that has a real good cultural aspect to um, help them and develop them and cultivate them to a leader, you might have a guy. But when a guy has shown you that he's not truly competitive like He's the most talented guy on a football team, but still not playing just because his teammates truly don't believe in him. And the only time that he does play is when there's nobody else there. And he puts up real good numbers and he's a guy. And when if you watch football and, and, and you look at a quarterback in the pocket, you can tell a lot about their makeup, how tough they are, how scary they are, how willing they are to try different things. For example, look at Josh Allen in the last two, let's say since he's been in the league. When he first got in the league, what did he do? Soon he saw pressure, got up out of there and ran, like scared. Year two, you saw him sitting there a little bit longer. Now, he's calm. It's like he's listening, like you said, listen to Frank Sinatra music in the pocket. Feet's calm. He's throwing shoulder shakes. Still playing around with the football, but. It's not chaos around him because he feels comfortable. He's, he's comfortable with himself, and he's not a fraud. When you're a fraud and you're in the pocket and you see someone, like a color change in front of you, you start running and you throw away the ball real quick. And if you cut on Dwayne Haskins' film, that's what you see. You saw that in Ohio State. You see that with the um, Washington um, football team. And that was my biggest issue watching him on film. If the pocket ever got dirty, yeah, he was terrible. Go back and look at the Purdue game when he, when he sucked. He's a seven on seven quarterback and hopefully I, he, he gets it and someone gives him a chance, but I don't know. He didn't seem real remorseful when he got cut. Would he be an XFL prospect for you? Yeah, he's talented. I mean, you, you got to understand what he is. You can't give up on the kid, but is he going to give up on himself? Does he want to change that? Is someone in his corner telling him like, no, Dwayne, you're wrong. What you did was wrong. If there's not a person telling him that, then I don't believe he learns. Can you come out there and play? Sure. I mean, we had 12 gauge on our team, and 12 gauge has his own issues. Not as bad as, as that kid, but it's very immature. But he's grown, and you have to have people around him to help him out. And 12 was willing to change. I don't know if this kid is.
1: What makes I a guy uh, like Cardale Jones going the fourth round and a guy like Dwayne Haskins going the first round?
3: Uh, what the coach says about you One guy it's, You know he's talented but he's immature The other guy is We don't like him And it just gives a whole bunch of negative 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 And people just write him off But one guy actually won a national championship For you And one guy couldn't win a national championship for you So it, it, it was really When you break them both down The win's a better throw of the football But that, not that far off one guy's tougher, 12-gauge is tougher. And one guy had a little bit more, it was negative comments, but the way that they were skewed was these these things can be fixed. With another guy, it was, it was danger, danger, danger. Don't even look at him because he's going to come in and ruin your entire building.
0: I hear uh, Hudson Fairburn getting after it.
1: Yeah, he's riled up.
0: What's the mailman showing up over there or what's going on? I don't
1: know. Could have been. Yeah, I don't know. Sometimes we took him for a long walk this morning and sometimes he's still just, it almost fires him up even more for the rest of the day. Maybe he needs to go
0: out there and stack some poo.
1: Yeah, probably. (laughs) Sunny day like this, he's just on alert, ready for everybody's walking by. He's just, he's protecting us. He's protecting Tim Graham and friends, making sure the show can go off without a hit. He is
0: one of the... Best f's uh, of Tim Graham and friends. He's on the team for sure. We uh, was just talking before we too. came on. Daisy's never made an appearance. Uh, on the uh, she's not big on me picking her up because um, she I, I screw with her a little bit too much. I, I I I trick her into into things, and so she doesn't trust me too much when it comes to picking up. She starts backing up, wagging the tail, barking. And she knows something's about to happen. You know we're about to go outside, or something's going to get thrown, and she's going to have to go get it. So I can't just pick her up and put her on. So have, here not in Hudson, sure if she wants to happen. be an ass no, Maybe she doesn't. just wants <laughs> to remove.
3: <laughs> do you have uh, Do you have a dog, Gerald? No. So my oldest is allergic to dogs, and I'm not a huge dog fan. I have go- I have four goldfishes, though. Oh, oh yeah. Much quieter. It's- do you name your goldfish? No, the kids do that. So let me tell you the story behind that. Because these
0: goldfish just kind of pass through;
3: they don't. Nah, uh, they've been around for about let me see how is it three and a half years now? No kidding. Yeah, I, I do a pretty good job. I do plants real well, and, and and I can keep goldfish for a long period of time.
0: That's impressive. Three and a yeah. half years.
3: Yeah, 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 yeah. They're they're on. Uh, some people say they're on steroids. I got them lifting, squatting, benching, <laughs> feeding them raw food. If you come over telling you they're huge one of these days when i clean i got to clean the fish tank i'll let you see it next time
0: so the names would be like turner gill gill lakata um what else what are some oh no. gilbert
3: gilbert <laughs> Gilbert. bird <laughs> right? i like that you McNissle. McNissle. gilly lock gilly Steph lock yeah gilmore <laughs>
0: Hey, uh, Gerald, thanks for coming back. Uh, glad you didn't uh, take offense that uh, we only had one show last week because of Christmas. Um, I, yeah, I never take it that
3: hard. I, n- I know it's all love.
0: It was all about that. the Christ child. You know, Christ child gives us a day off and just kind of the way it fell.
3: I'm, I'm still waiting on that gift. Still waiting on that gift.
0: It's Elmo's. It's Elmo's wings. I guess you. you're just going to have to wait. Like my son's PlayStation. We had big drama at the Graham household this morning. Oh, uh, boy. We got an alert that PlayStations were available at Amazon. And within five seconds, we checked it and they were all gone.
3: Interesting fact, Tim. I've never owned a video game system.
1: Never. How, how eager is Jack for the new PlayStation? Because he's a low key guy, he doesn't
0: uh, show his emotions too much. I don't know. I think he's, you know, I, we tried to make it up with other things to open on Christmas morning. He knew he was getting it. And the fact that his friends don't have it, he knows it's not like dad's, you know, a hump. Dropping the and, ball. Yeah, he knows that it's tough to get. So he, he got the heads up. He got the call of duty for PlayStation 5 and actually considered, like, maybe I'll get the PlayStation 4 because it might be a while. So that showed a little patience.
1: Don't uh, he have
0: the PlayStation 4? We have the 4, yeah.
1: Okay. Yeah, cuz you, you can't hide you can't hide money.
3: That's
0: right. Hide. That's right.
1: Tim's Tim's rolling it over. Rolling. <laughs> Smacking what? it up. Now on I feel face. like this this like <laughs> makes me, you know, this makes me feel old, but what is the difference? Like what is what makes the PlayStation 5 so much better than the 4? I feel like I would have known this when I was your son's age, but now that I'm grown, I feel. I'm not entirely sure. You know the graphics are a little
0: bit better. Um, but I think it's set up for what do they call it, 4D or something like that. Um, the, the, the higher you four, definition You got a 4D over there too? Um, n- I don't think so. I don't think so. Um, and I think Man, like I memory. Oh, the other th- cool thing about the PlayStation 5 is, which they haven't had this for a few of the editions of the PlayStation, you can play all the previous PlayStation games on it. So you can play, your, if you're a fan of a PlayStation 3 game, you can play it on the PlayStation five. All your four games are going to translate. Used to be you get a new one. You had to get all new stuff. Now it's, um, and then there are other things that you can do on it. Like you get Netflix on it. You get Hulu, you get, I mean, you have to pay for the, it's a It's a, it's a receiver also. Um, but no, no video games. Did you play them? Did you play them in college, Gerald? No. Like in the dorms? Nothing. No. What about when you would have been on one of the
3: NCAA games, right? Yeah. You didn't play, nope.
0: you didn't check out yourself on
3: NCAA? Yeah, I checked, my, I checked out what my ratings were, but I didn't. I never got into it. What how did they, they treat you? Pretty good. I was okay. I was all conference twice. I was okay. The only year that we really sucked was my sophomore year where we were ranked two and went out to UCLA and got drummed. The reason why we got drummed Tim. him, we rested players in the spring.
1: Oh,
3: Mike Dubose wanted to get ready for the regular season instead of just beating us up and just kicking the crap out of a young group of guys.
1: Too much video games, not enough practice.
3: No, too much padding on the butt. <laughs> and too much head of boys instead of spiking the butt and getting after it during the stack spring. Stacking the poo. Stacking the poo, right. <laughs> Stacking
0: stack, stack workouts like the poo. Yeah, Did, uh, but you don't remember what your rankings were on the game, like your ratings. Uh maybe
1: eighty-nine,
3: maybe ninety. Oh,
1: I was okay. No. Tim, I was okay.
3: I was okay. I was okay. He had
1: played football once or twice before. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. The, yeah. the, the ratings was, adjusters knew it. Yeah, were you ever okay. in Madden? Um, I might have been. They go deep on the on the rosters these days, and I, I feel. I feel like you were probably, maybe you were on there. What we, I bet I, I you can look it up. I the Will Max
0: ratings were awful. In fact, that's the urban, well, the legend, right? Is that and 46. Jonah probably knows this story better than me. He wore number forty-six because right, that, that was, was his, his rating, rating in in the NCAA game when he yeah. was like a
2: freshman practice wide player. But yeah, yeah,
3: yeah. I never got into it. I I, I, I saw a lot of fights and a lot of. Craziness happening, but I, I never got into the whole Madden, and PlayStation nonsense. But here, I, I did beat somebody out of a PlayStation one time, just shooting dice, and I ended up giving a PlayStation to my little brother. So he came down for the spring game, and I would say, "Hey, Rick, I got a, a PlayStation for you." He's like, "You don't want?" It? I was like, "No, nah, you can have it." How'd you get? it? I was like, "Don't ask." But now he knows. What's your biggest <laughs> win
0: on uh, with uh, dice?
3: Ooh, what are you talking about? Like at my apartment or? You would
0: well, yeah, you tell casino. me? You tell me. Oh, no, no, I'm talking about it. a private game, not not in the casino. That doesn't count. Boy, I'm talking clickety
3: clack. There is, let me see, Orange Bowl, probably like three, three, four thousand at the Orange Bowl my freshman year. That's a Tim, big chunk of change. That's got to yeah, be a
0: recruiting violation. That's <laughs> to I was sort on a of NCAA violation, not a recruiting yeah. violation, but a.
3: All right, so Tim, my in my four years at Alabama, we got put on probation twice. So people have money. I never called home. I've never once called my parents and asked them for a dime. It I was see. the other way around. Never, ha- never had a problem with it. And, and I like, I like gambling, like shooting, like rolling mm-hmm. dice is all right. So I, I beat this one. <laughs> so one of my buddies, he was on a golf team. He always tells the story whenever I see him, Austin. I won't even say Austin's last name. So he comes over, kid from Mobile, golfer. So he looks more like you than me, Tim. So he heard about. <laughs> <laughs> so he hears about all the the dice game that happens over at apartment three twenty one. That's what my oh, uh, that's what it was called. I'm married now, so I can't give the real name of it. But it's apartment three twenty one. Three twenty one. So we hung out with a, a a lot of the guys weren't that weren't supposed to be on campus, but they found a way over to 321, the locals, what we call them. And he heard about a, a few thousands getting thrown around, a few hundreds, let's say a hundreds, a few hundreds getting thrown around. So he wanted a part of it. So he comes over and he's like, "Hey, smoke? Can you teach me how to shoot dice?" I was like, "No problem." So I was like, "Where are they?" So as soon as he walked into my bedroom, I had him on top of like the ledge of my. Door coming in, so I just grabbed him, pulled him down. said, all right, just put your money down. He said, right, I don't know how much. So then, put whatever you want down, and I'll teach you how to play. Long story short, he left out of here with a $400 lesson.
1: <laughs> no mercy.
3: Now nah, you wow. got to teach him. Now nah, I told you. I'm not pulling the quarterback when he's struggling. You got to figure your way out. Now, Austin.
1: <laughs> no pats on the butt.
3: No. No, 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 no. Learn the hard way. Or you don't learn at all. What about the Dixon children? What, I mean, what's Candyland
0: like over there?
3: So my, my son is real good in that, his memory game. And war, my daughter's real good in. Well, wait, isn't war like
0: 50-50? Yeah. How can you be a, good at war?
3: Uh, she, she, you know what? She cheats. She stacks the odds <laughs> and, and she wins. She cheats. My son's memory in the memory game is pretty good, though. He's coming up close to beating my oldest one jenga i probably win monopoly i'm crown king that don't even happen domino that's me um spades there's been a lot of spade games for money and i'm pretty good at that too so i did the card oh, no. games instead of instead of the video game stuff and, and i was worried about getting money in college instead of playing fun video games and talking trash about madner nta
1: he's doing grown man things tim so what are you saying
0: My brother was like a Don King of mine. Uh, He, uh, Because there were versions of Madden, I want to say 94, uh, which is pretty elementary-style game compared to what they have now. I mean, you'd have, I don't know, 20 plays to choose from, and everybody got the same play. Well, I mastered a couple of plays. And if I got you in a certain formation, depending on whatever hash mark I was on, that, that was it. And my brother used to find opponents for me, and bring him over to his uh, house. He was married at the time, but didn't have kids. And uh, he, I used to drive down from campus and he'd have, a, he'd have a game for me. And I'd come down there and we'd take care of business. There you go. Because <laughs> he knew he would talk, he would talk me up. He'd be talking with his buddies. Uh, he was a, you know, a teacher and a coach at the time. And he'd be saying, oh, my brother, he's unbeatable. I, I've never seen anything like it. And P- he'd eventually find somebody's like, no way, I got him. I'll take him. Okay, well, how much, you know, and He'd bankroll me because I was still in college, and but we go. didn't we didn't get we didn't get envelopes under the door at Baldwin Wallace. I've uh,
3: never gotten an envelope underneath the door. They just <laughs> why would you why would you? you put money on the ground? Everybody else can get it. That's true. <laughs>
0: well, we honor code at Baldwin Wallace. I don't know what you heathens in Alabama do, but we, we just have fun we and win games. Property at Baldwin Wallace. I would go down and and we would play a game. It would be you know, I wouldn't I. I guess we split it 50-50. I can't remember, remember what it was. It was 25 years ago, but my brother would back me and I'd we'd make a couple of bucks.
3: The only time that I ever got spanked really well in a gambling game is, I forgot what the game's called, but you put a, a, a like a red piece of cotton on the three cups and you throw them around. I, I don't know what that game's called, but Mo Williams. like a three-card money type thing? Yeah, but it was under a cup. Some old country boy stuff. Mo, Mo Williams... You guys, know, Mo Williams, a basketball player, uh, that was with the Cleveland Cavs, played at Bama. Uh, Mo, Mo's right. I think he's yeah, the basketball player Mo. So Mo comes down with one of his buddies, Tracy. Never forget, it. I, he beat me out of like three, four hundred bucks that day. And it's, I think it's called tops. He was just rotating it around. He's like, all right, you pick one, you get the money, whatever. But he was cheating. And I figured out how he was. He had long fingernails, that, like this pinky, that he was cupping the the cotton underneath of it, like this little red cotton, cupping it. So I called him. I said, Hey, I listen. He's like, All right, don't worry about it. I'm Mo's boy. I'll give you money back. But everybody else is not getting their cash back. So shout out to Mo for, for bringing him down and and keeping me even with my money, but. <laughs> Mo made a few million dollars. Mo need to give me back some percentage to something. <laughs> <laughs> See what happens in Alabama? We don't do that at Baldwin Wallace. Good times, man. Wait, listen, when you have first round draft picks and NBA players on your campus, when you had Gerald Wallace, Mo Williams, Gerald Dixon? Oh, no, Shea Cotton. Remember that name? Oh, Shea Cotton.
0: I, uh, I covered him in high school a little bit. Yeah. That guy was one, of the, one of the amazing high school basketball players I ever saw.
3: Yeah. Tragic, but good. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I remember I was uh there were uh maybe six coaches. I remember obviously because it was in Las Vegas when I covered him. He came in for a tournament and Jerry Tarkanian was there and a handful and they were that was jaw literal jaw dropping looking at each other like, did you see that?
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh these are you know probably six top twenty-five coaches all sitting together at this tournament. And uh yeah, he was I want to say i don't know if he was player of that tournament i'm getting my tournaments mixed up there was one where uh tracy mcgrady came through and his team won the championship
3: lamar odom was lamar in odom
0: yeah uh anyways yeah but uh, the, your uh, man child finished Langdon. up at,
3: at bama he started out ucla finished up at alabama
0: all right all right guys hey this was a good talk we covered a lot of ground we stacked poo we talked about uh, the Fuzzy Cup game. Uh, Dwayne Haskins, rest your uh, don't rest your starters.
1: And I Brian like Flores. Not- game at
3: yeah,
0: right? And Brian Flores does not deserve Coach of the Year.
3: No, nah, I didn't say that. <laughs> I'm saying, it. I just said. I, everyone knows I have a love for my man, Tua Tungavai Loa. I just, I'm biased. All right, Protect Gerald Dixon, like
0: thanks again for, uh, for uh, not holding it against us and coming back.
3: Never, man. My heart's clean.
0: With us now is the end of everything lead singer, Joel Staniszewski, We've been talking about you and The End of Everything on I don't know how many episodes in a row that I forget to tell people that, you know, if there's anybody listening for the first time, that you're not just a lead singer of a of a hardcore metal band. Uh, you actually have expertise
4: in this field.
0: Yeah. You know, not, not like yeah. I'm in a, uh, yeah. I'm, this is the guy who sings talking. in a band
4: who wants to talk about the bills. <laughs> yeah.
0: Joel Staniszewski. Yes, he's the lead singer of The End of Everything uh, and his Vegas band is uh, getting some run uh, lately. Hopefully uh, that the clubs can open up and uh, you can do uh, do some shows uh, as God intended. Yeah, let's hope so. But uh, his, uh, his other line of work is as a gambling analyst. He's a former handicapper uh, and odds maker out in Las Vegas for a number of years and he's uh, been a a regular on the Tim Graham show, as it used to be called, and now Tim Graham and Friends brought to you by CTBK. Um, and uh, Joel is coming through. And he, as we're heading into the regular season finale, Joel's record is 26-15-5 and on the year. That's against the numbers. The spread... The total, whatever, what have you? If you've been listening to Tim Graham and friends, brought to you by CTBK, and placed ten dollars on every bit of uh, Joel's suggestions, then you have made
4: a tidy sum. Yeah, you know, when the course uh, of the season, right before we uh, started talking, I was actually doing the math on that. So, if you were a hundred dollar better, one ten to win a hundred, um, and you followed those bets, you'd be up a thousand fifty right now. Now there were a couple of
0: moneyline bets in there too. Do you, are you, yeah, do you yeah, we, bets, we, I know. Roughly? I know.
4: I've I've been a little. Uh, I've gone moneyline a couple times. I've bought a half a point a couple times. So that was just going if that was a one ten to win a hundred. So we'll that's, even cut off a hundred or so dollars. So you're still up nine fifty if you uh, if you play along with me. So and, and you don't even good. have to go to a
0: bookie if you're listening in Western New York, which is uh, Joel's native. Uh, community he's uh, from Sloan he went to St. Joe's Collegiate Institute he went to Buff State before he moved out to Vegas which is the tie-in to the to the TGAF um franchise uh then um you can go and bet at uh, the casinos here around western New York if uh, you're listening just outside of the New York state line you can get on FanDuel or or uh DraftKings or any of these places and um and bet, and uh, you'd be up that uh, grand. Um, a good season, a good season, Joel.
4: Yeah, I don't think we kept track the entire season. I think we kind of started in a couple of weeks into the get the system, into the season when we really started but following. The
0: show began a couple of weeks into the season, yeah. so we missed the first, I think, two weeks. And so we have, you know, some weeks you gave us two picks, some weeks yeah. you gave us five picks. Um, so yeah, it doesn't. The math doesn't quite work out if you're t- if you want to try to figure out how many bets. Sometimes Joel gives us extras. Sometimes he doesn't. Um, but um, whatever winning percentage twenty six fifteen and five is, I think any handicapper will take that. Definitely, For sure. on the record too. This is documented. This isn't that stuff you get on those 1-900 calls. You know, uh, the guys are the guy has, was always coming off a three and zero week. You know, or yeah four and one with his all those picks.
4: all those all those, um people selling their picks and people saying they're you know they hit 70 percent or they're you know their their five-star plays are are you know 10 and 0 in the last six months bullshit it's no they're not these people are scammers they're not gamblers they're salesmen they sell you you know and, and that's how they do it they they Yes, they have some. They have knowledge of sports betting, of course they do. Uh, but they're salesmen, and they sell you picks. And when you follow, there's probably the number one. My number one most hated uh, sports handicapper is Vegas Dave, and that dude is the biggest fake on the planet. And when you, I know uh, a couple people that had purchased, not personally, second and third hand, had purchased his plays. And his plays are always the biggest favorite on the board on the money line. Those are his like whale plays, like a minus $7 favorite. <laughs> and you're just like, I don't need to pay you money to, to bet the biggest favorite on the board on the money line. It's absurd. Uh, it's it's just, yeah, it's crazy. People are crazy with this shit.
0: Um, we need some expertise this week, more so than most. I guess maybe week one uh, in some regards is similar but you have so many variables heading into week 17 teams that have to win teams that the game, the game means absolutely nothing Uh, good teams like the Buffalo bills uh, or the Pittsburgh Steelers who might be resting their starters. How do you, how do you navigate this? If you must bet this week or you feel the need, or, or maybe, maybe it's a good week to bet. Maybe there's a way to find an angle and you get good value. I don't know. I I'm, I'm, I guess I'm loading up the question for all possibilities.
4: Yeah, it's it's a really, really tricky situation. You really have to keep really close tabs on the teams and what teams you're interested in betting on because you have to know uh, what games are significant in terms of getting into the playoffs, adjusting your seating, getting a better spot in the playoffs, or if teams want to rest or – if they even think like if we lose, we're probably in a better situation. We're playing this team versus this team. Um, I I saw earlier that Ben Roethlisberger is not going to play. It's going to be Mason Rudolph for Pittsburgh. Uh, So that line moved pretty significantly. Uh, So I think that Pittsburgh is choosing to rest versus trying to get that number two seed. Uh, And I would think that the bills would follow suit, uh, especially now with the news coming out just recently about uh, Cole Beasley being week to week. So he's definitely not going to play. If you're interested in betting, I would go with the games that have significance for both teams. Um, If you're interested in playing. It's an even playing field in terms of the analysis, you know, you're there no surprises in terms of personnel. Right. Uh, and if you're interested in playing teams that uh, you're fearful of their playing, maybe you bet you bet first half because if the bills are gonna play, Josh Allen, he'll play the first half. He might might come in for the first series of the second half, kind of like a week three of preseason, just to stay loose and to do that go through that whole pregame ritual, starting the game coming back after halftime type of thing. Um, So if you're interested in playing a game and they haven't quite yet announced who's playing or who's sitting, uh, or if you have any inclination of they might play, then you'd bet like first half. Now, I looked it up earlier. First half lines aren't out yet. They usually wait till it's closer. And most places, most casinos now, if the game doesn't have any – significance for both teams they usually circle that game so you're getting half limits uh they're not going to let you tease them or parlay them there's a there's a lot of of you know rules they put in place so
0: joe uh, these numbers that are out today we're, we're recording this on monday um tuesday. i'm sorry tuesday tuesday the bills played on monday which through always throws me off uh, right. so we're recording this on tuesday the numbers that are up now they haven't been too totally affected by the betting public yet. I mean, obviously, the, the Pittsburgh line or the spread has been. It's up to 10 now. Uh, they're, uh, the Browns are favored by 10 in that game uh, as we're speaking. But do the odds makers factor in that everything is, is normal? Or are they factoring in the fact that the Bills – may rest their guys in the second half. And the reason I ask that is like for totals. So should you then assume that the total is going to come under because if you feel Matt Barkley is going to play in the second half, uh, that, that the odds are as though
4: John, Josh Allen is going to play the entire game or are they factoring in Matt Barkley already? No, they usually will put it in uh, unless they know specifically that a, a starter, a, a key starter, a quarterback is not going to play. They put up the line as if they are. Um, but you might be able to get some value if you think
0: yeah, Barkley's going to play the second half, then you might want to go under.
4: Yeah, I was, I was actually really intrigued to play Arizona. And then I heard that um, Cooper Cup is out. And so somebody on their defense, Daryl hendr no, Daryl Henderson. Yes. Running back Daryl Henderson and Cooper cup are both out. So I was like, Oh, I really like Arizona now. And of course so I went to go log in and it's already off the board. Um, so they will be, you know, sports book directors will be really keeping a close eye on injuries or COVID, you know, just as much as they always do. And, um, as well as who's who's starting when when the press conferences come out and the quarter and the coach says like yeah we're gonna probably rest our starters and that type of stuff then they will immediately take that line down because they know both the side and the total will be drastically different once you factor in a Matt Barkley versus a Josh Allen a Mason Rudolph versus a Ben Roethlisberger and you know they and whoever is playing quarterback for the Rams this week. Um, Wolfer, so, Wolford. Yeah. Some guy that maybe I've it's will, heard of. Will Wolford. Maybe. Will Wolford with the straps on the back of his helmet. He's coming in. <laughs> um Yeah. It's a, it's, it's a really tricky thing to navigate. Like you said, you, you want to keep an eye on starters uh, you know, keep, keep an eye on, you know, Twitter and social media where they talk about, you know, where they will be basically live tweeting about uh, a head coach's press conference or what they see at practices or who's, you know, last minute addition to the COVID list, that type of stuff. Um, and try to pick off numbers as best you can. So I also so the straightest
0: game you could probably wager on this week, and I'd need to actually take a look at the entire rundown, but the one off the top of my head would be Dallas, New York.
4: And because, Washington, Philly. Yeah, but Philly doesn't have anything to play for, right? Right. Other so. but they are yes. So I was gonna mention that as well. So you have uh, uh, New York and Dallas, which is a very key game for both teams. Washington, key game, not for Philly. Uh, but we're still talking about interdivision, you know, division rivalries, wanting to play spoiler. Uh, and especially with Philly, wanting to see Jalen Hurts play some more because he's been That's playing true. great. Um, so I think they'll be playing to win, um, but they're not as invested as. As the as the uh, New York uh, Washington game is, Dallas, New York, Dallas. Sorry.
0: Right. Anything else uh, that really stands out as a safe bet, or as a safe? I don't mean safe in terms of picking a winner or loser, but just a game that looks about as
4: normal as you can get without having to factor in all this extra stuff. Uh, Green Bay, Chicago. Indianapolis against Jacksonville. Clearly Jacksonville doesn't have anything to play for, but Indianapolis does. Um, Tennessee, Houston. Um, Tennessee needs to win to win the division, um, and Houston being in their division would love to spoil that, and especially when you saw that uh, speech that J.J. Watt gave the other day about right. uh, having heart. Like Those are usually the things that you want to just kind of keep an eye on because that will affect the team's performance uh, in a game. And even if you want to, and if you want to bet um, in running those type of things, when the bills and, and Patriots were playing the, the, the point spread got up to 28 and a half for the bills and the total got up to like 64 and a half. And then uh, Cam got taken out and Josh Allen got taken out and those lines came down really fast. So. You know, I mean, they they didn't score. Uh, they might not have scored at all in the fourth quarter, or they did. It was once. So, yeah, you know, Josh Allen was in for a series before he before he came out. Yeah, the last so, uh, touchdown
0: pass to Diggs, I believe, was fourth quarter.
4: Yeah, so I mean, when you're looking at a team scoring, you know, 20 points a quarter, and the total going up to 64 and a half, I think it was up to, and then you see two backups come in and they're just running the ball like that that's a surefire sign. Now, granted, when you, when these backups come in, yes, they're more prone to throw a pick six or fumble or, or, you know, break off a huge run. Those are always things that you have to factor in when you're betting totals. There's a lot of things that, you know, you factor in when you're betting totals uh, that you, or you can't factor in, you know, kickoff return for a touchdown a pick six, like those things will drastically change a number, especially, you know, in the in running world. But um you you can't come back from that, you know. You can't come back from a, you know, a, a tie game at half followed by a opening second half kickoff return for a touchdown like that changes everything in the game uh, when you're betting totals, especially.
0: All right, so we've uh, gone the entire season with giving Bills picks. Uh, <laughs> no, at least the Dolphins have to win this game, so you can at least count on the Dolphins putting forth whatever it is whatever you were going to analyze regarding the Dolphins uh, you're probably going to get it uh, the bills whether or not they pull punches uh, we don't know but what would you say with uh, with the bills and uh, the total
4: um, I would I would lean towards Miami um, and I, I, I should say, it. it's five and a, it's uh,
0: my the total is uh, 43 and a half. And uh, the Bills opened as a five, five and a half point favorite.
4: And now it's a pick. Yeah. You can, uh, Bills are minus one at a couple spots, but a lot of picks.
0: Do you think that's reflective of the Steelers' decision to bench Roethlisberger? Do you think that's yeah. out, that, that now the Bills can can uh, rest their people too? Is that the thing? Yes.
4: Yeah, okay. absolutely. Um, yeah, I, I I would think that um, I I honestly I was looking it up earlier today. Do you know who we would play in the first round? Would it be no. Cleveland? Or we don't know until Cleveland we know. Cleveland is who's... the most
0: likely opponent. Okay, but we don't quite know. It could be I think even Indianapolis.
4: Could be Baltimore too, right? Yes. 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 Yeah, so it, and and all of those games happen at the same time. So, it's hard I highly doubt a coach is is sitting there scoreboard watching and seeing and then he's deciding to call what play he wants to do or who he wants to play depending upon what's happening uh, on the scoreboard in a different in a different game. And as a team and as a coach and as players, you think that you could beat anybody any Sunday. That's the whole point of of being a professional sports athlete. Like, you 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 think you can? You're the best, and you are the best. And that's what the, we talked
0: about earlier on the show with Gerald Dixon and uh, Jonah Bronstein, also bringing up that point. That yeah, if you if you're the Bills and you think you want if you think you can win the Super Bowl, then what what difference does it make? What order we get these teams in? Right, um, right. So other than maybe wanting to guarantee yourself an extra home game, which uh, the Steelers yeah. would love to be able to do, but resting Ben Roethlisberger is more important. Uh, because without a healthy Ben Roethlisberger, you don't get to the you might not get to the second round to play right. the
4: home. Right, right, and the same with the Bills. They would love to be number two, um, and knowing that Ben Roethlisberger isn't playing, that makes their lives easier. Because you would assume that uh, Cleveland's going to win that game, so you think, okay, cool. If Cleveland wins, then we don't have to win, and we want to be two because you want to avoid Kansas City for as long as you can. Uh, but depending upon who we play, you, you can't figure that the coach is looking up and keeping an eye on how Cleveland's doing, how um, uh, Indianapolis is doing, you know keeping track of every game and seeing what's, what what Baltimore's doing. They're all playing at the same time. So you know the bills are going to play the game the way that they play. they're going to try to avoid injury. They're gonna play smart and I think Miami's going to do the same thing. Miami wants to win. But they also don't want to be, you know, if they're up by ten, they're not going to be playing, you know, to 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 step on their, the Bills next like the Bills did with, with the Patriots this week. Um, so I think you lean towards Miami. Um, but if you're if you're betting and you're really interested in playing on the Bills, you probably play the first half of Buffalo. So I have up, I know you look up um your numbers on, on Vegas Insider and I do as well. Right. And sometimes they don't refresh. Sometimes they're pretty quick to refresh. Sometimes they're a little slower. But I saw this earlier and I wonder if it's still the same. Okay, it is. You could go to Caesar's Palace right now and play according to these numbers and play Buffalo on the money line minus a dollar twenty. And then you could go to MGM. And you could bet Miami plus a dollar sixty, and you could be guaranteed to win money because your plus is bigger than your minus. So it's just it's just free money if that's what the number is, and those are current. You could bet as much as you could get on both and be guaranteed to win, just free money. Crazy. It ought to be illegal. <laughs> it ought to be, but um, I I remember when I was first working in a sports book. I was at the Paris casino in like 2005 and Manny Pacquiao was fighting somebody. And I don't remember who it was. And I remember seeing, looking at the, at the screen and seeing that Pacquiao was a dog in one casino and a favorite in another casino. And I was just like, why? I was like asking my, my supervisor, like, how is this possible? And he's like, that's what people do. They just middle. And the casino wants that bet on the other side. They know that the the, the sharps are going to be middling these bets, but they want that money because they have too much on the other side. And I was just like, Well, that's crazy. And you can see that, you know, in, in the baseball season, there are people that can make hundreds of dollars a day in the you know, high hundreds, like eight hundred, nine hundred dollars a day, as long as you have enough money in your accounts, betting, just just middling baseball games because it's money line and the money line can adjust pretty drastically. And you can just sit there in middle games all day long and just make hundreds of dollars.
0: And that's way more prevalent now online. You don't have to get in your car and drive over to Caesar's palace and rush into the sports book while, you know, meandering your way through all the blackjack tables, dodging cocktail waitresses uh, and hope that the number is still what you thought it was when you headed it, when you got in your car. Exactly. Exactly.
4: (laughs) Yeah. So it's, 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 uh, you can, if as long I as mean, you have to have a really big bankroll, you know, you got to have like $100,000 in multiple. So should accounts. I, should we end this now so you can go bet on these money lines? I'm going to go, <laughs> I don't have either account. I need to go set them up. I'll <laughs> run and go set them up and just, and just pick off numbers. But, um, but yeah, that's what a lot of people do. And they just pick off numbers all day long. So and your are,
0: bets are Buffalo first half.
4: Yeah, Buffalo first half. I don't have a number yet. It should be like, you know, minus a half or maybe minus 1 for Buffalo. What about the what about the standard bets though? Can we Okay, we'll go standard bets like we like we're like we're supposed to. Standard bets. But we can do the half. We'll, we'll uh, throw that in there. Give me uh Miami plus 1.
0: All right. And give
4: me um over 44 and a half.
0: And Buffalo, first, first half. half. Yeah. All right. We'll figure that out uh, once that line is out.
4: Um, and whatever right. whatever Arizona becomes. Do you have any uh, bonus picks you want to do? Yeah, Arizona. Okay. Uh, I It's off the board in most places now. Last I saw, they were like a one-and-a-half-point dog. Um, it'll probably move to maybe like a pick. Wait, wait, wait. Is Kyler Murray playing? Well, I don't think we know that yet. Hold off then. Hold off. No no bet. No bet. All right. Yeah. Other ones are, are kind of tricky. I think the Dallas line is a little off. Um, Dallas is a three-point favorite. I think that's a bit much. I think realistically it should be the Giants as a small favorite or a pick at best. But I, I, those are teams that you're so hit or miss. I mean, those teams, you don't know what the heck they're going to do. So I'm going to lay off that one too. So, yeah, that's it. I don't really have much to, that I'm really strongly interested in. If uh, Arizona, if Kyler Murray's playing, whatever that line moves to, I'll, I'll take that for sure.
0: How fat does it have to get before you don't like it? Six. All right. If less than six, Arizona. Or if up until six. Yeah. All right. Joel Staniszewski's on a roll. He's going to have some Bills playoff games to handicap. Uh, can't wait. Week. Can't wait. What a what a time to be alive. That's a first. We've never done that uh, in the entire uh, – all the years that we've been together. We have not uh, once had a chance – or no! well, I guess a home game, I should say. You know, right. a game where you're excited. They should be the favorite.
4: Uh, yeah. you
0: know. A Bills
4: home playoff game where they're the favorite.
0: Not just dipping your toe in and wincing a little bit. This is, yeah. should be, this is we're, we're heading into this postseason with a little more, uh, with a bit of a foundation here. Yeah, for
4: sure. All right. Fighting times.
0: Joel Staniszewski on the line from Vegas. Thanks again. All right. Thanks. Hi there, friends. Tim Graham once again. Just wanted to wish everybody a happy new year. Hopefully you've had a pleasant Christmas and a good holiday season so far. But the one thought I want to leave you with on this podcast is, well, it it means a lot to me. And Tim Graham and Friends is brought to you by CTBK, a leading accounting firm with a growing team of accountants and business consultants with roots in Amherst. CTBK pairs every project with a focus on a human connection between its team and the client. For assurance, accounting, taxes, litigation support, and advice on mergers and acquisitions, CTBK is available and ready to solve any issue your business faces. For a consultation or to request a quote, call 716-630-2400. Again, that's 716-630-2400. CTBK over a quarter century of proven accounting and business excellence for Western New York and beyond. And that's a bit of information we all can use.